Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I want to turn to a popular uh, scripture, Psalm 24. We're going to start at verse 3, and we're going to uh, look at it in the NLT. Now, a lot of you have heard this uh, scripture before, probably in the New King James. I'm going to read it from the NLT. But guys, uh, this is the crux of my message today. I've, I've never spoken on this. And this sermon, or this, sorry, this verse, and this sermon can go many ways out of this verse. This verse is a very popular verse, and it could go in so many directions. But I want to choose to highlight a certain aspect of this, of this scripture to highlight prophetically the prophetic symbolism of what's actually uh, being said in the scripture and how it symbolically and spiritually applies to your life. Come on, amen? Now I want you to see this, because I'm going to explain a lot of things. I'm going to give you an intro, and then I'm going to release some powerful points to you that I believe is going to really challenge your walk with God. And everyone said, Psalms 24, verse 3 and si- through 6, NLT, is on on your screen. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure and do not worship idols and never tell lies. It reads different in the NLT. They, they will receive. Who's they? The ones who do the sentences before. They will receive the Lord's blessings and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you, this is David, and worship your presence, O God of Jacob. Now, I've entitled this message, because this could go in many areas, but what I want to highlight out of this scripture is the very first sentence. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Everybody say climb. Now, I understand we are in the New Testament, and thank God by the blood of Jesus, all of us could climb. All of us could get higher. All of us could get to a place of, of intimacy with God and go past the veil and get with God. This is an Old Testament scripture, but there's truth to it. But what I want to talk about is not so much the popular verses of this. I want to talk about going the journey to the top of our personal mountain. I have, I have entitled this message, Take Me to the Top of the Mountain. Because as I, listen, this is crazy. In my devotionals about a month or so ago, I just happened to land. It was like the Lord highlighted the word mountain. Now, in the physical, I love mountains. How many love mountains? In the physical, I love mountains. Now, I'm going to get a physical reality and and relay it into a spiritual one. So throughout my message, I'm going to say this. I have an announcement to make. We all are either facing a mountain, which, now watch this. Here's the part we, we don't know. We're all facing a mountain that sometimes we have to speak to that mountain and it could be cast into the sea. Zoom in on me. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. That, that, that is a whole other sermon. There's two types of mountains that we always have to face. There's mountains that we speak to that needs to go into the sea. And there's things that are in our lives currently that we actually need to take authority and speak to it so it can get out of the way. But there's some mountains that God puts in our way for us to climb up. Who may climb up to the mountain of the Lord? 
And I'm here to say this, and it's not going to sound pretty, but I promise I'm not trying to condemn you. I think we live in a society that if we preach reality, and that reality happens to be hard, that they go to, people go to other churches because they think that the preacher's condemning them. I promise you with all my heart, I'm not condemning you this morning. But I want to say a statement. We are all spiritually and emotionally climbing one or two or three mountains every single time. We all are climbing a mountain. And the reward of people in the Bible that actually made it to the top is worth the view and worth the experience. Because all of us, when we climb the mountain, the blessings of the Lord, the character of the Lord was displayed. When I started reading scriptures, when not at the base of the mountain, not in the middle of the mountain, when they made it to the top. The mountain is symbolic of your journey for growth, your journey to keep growing, your journey to keep climbing. And today we're going to identify some people, but I want to just ask a question. You don't have to answer. This is like a, more like a rhetorical uh, question. And I don't want to get into, because I could, but the, the type of people that could actually endure and make it up. Because there's a lot of people that they stop in the middle of their upward trek to the Lord. Your mountain is symbolic of your journey in life right now. And the goal of God in, in some of your mountains is not to speak to it and remove it. It's for you to climb it. Because something is waiting for you at the other side. Watch this. Why does he want the climb? Because he wants you to trust the process of maturity during the climb so that he could trust you with the blessing on top. Because if you quit before, there's nothing on the top that he could really trust you with. The climb is hard. I'm here to tell you, it's going to be an uphill battle. I know that doesn't sound like a good encouraging message, but I'm going to show you in Scripture how Jesus, Paul, Timothy all say, in this life you will suffer tribulation. In this life you will suffer, you will, you, in this world you will suffer... But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Paul told Timothy, endure hardship as a good soldier, Timothy. If we preach this in our modern day area, we are not if we're not preaching it, we're not preparing God's people. I, and I, again, I, I could say so many things uh, of who, who can really be last in, in the climb, but I won't because of time. But I will say this. You're either, how, how is your relationship with God? Is it distant or is it growing? There's a reason why I'm saying that. If it's distant, or is it growing or are you comfortable, right? Because if you're distant, sometimes you'll get back closer to God because people tend to seek God when they're in crisis. Now watch this, watch this now. If you're currently comfortable in your walk with God, you're in a dangerous spot. If everything is easy and everything is good and, every, and you finally arrive, good, take that little rest. But what happens is that we stay there longer than we're supposed to. And, and rest was not supposed to be forever. That's why Jesus had, the Lord had one day of rest. And the rest, he kept working. And if you're comfortable in your walk with God, you're in a difficult place right now. And you're in a dangerous place because uh, a comfortable walk with God is where we can settle for an appearance of spirituality on the outside. Come on, somebody. But on the inside, we have not been passionate. We become comfortable in our walk with God. And most people settle for comfort and never push past the pain that it takes to get on top of the mountain. Now watch this. Growth and maturity are almost always exclusively separate. In other words, does that mean? what does that mean? They're usually not together. You're either growing or you're comfortable. Come on, somebody. 
you're either comfortable. Now, when there's comfortability, there's hardly ever a lot of growth. But when there's growth, there's usually some pain. There's usually some, there's usually some resistance. There's usually some effort. But it's going to keep you growing. If you're comfortable, that's where sometimes the enemy will sneak a lack of growth in your life. And sometimes the reason why we are uncomfortable is because God is trying to grow us up. I'm going to get to some meat now. I'll just, that's just my intro. In the scriptures, put this verse thing up. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach a little different this morning. I'm not going to tell you to speak to your mountain to remove it. I'm going to ask you to climb your mountain. I'm going to ask you that what you're facing in your family, climb it. Don't run from it. Don't just rebuke it. Jesus, James, the book of James said if someone is coming to you and naked, naked and warm, I mean, and cold, don't just say, be warm. That's what charismatics do all the time. I'm in need. That's okay. Be warm in the name of Jesus. Spiritual sweater come on you right now. Spiritual coat in the name of Jesus. He goes, no, put something on them. I don't want you to spiritualize your mountain this morning. I want you to climb it. God, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? And I'm going to show you. I, I went on a journey for two weeks studying mountains in Scripture. And I found out that everything that happened as a manifestation of God's nature happened at the top of the mountain. But people like Moses, Jesus, disciples, all these people had to make the trek up. If you want to keep growing, keep climbing. No matter what you are facing, the enemy wants you to quit the climb. In Scripture, look at this point. The blessing of the Lord and the different aspects of God's nature sometimes is revealed and released at the top of the mountain. Everybody say at the top. So today we're going to talk about pr three prophetic people um, that face their mountain. Three prophetic Christian type people that face their mountain. All right. And these three types of people are in the church today and, dare I say, in every church in the world. So when it comes to our first type of person that, that faces our mountain, I, I, I need to say this. God has given you a mountain to climb, not the devil. God has given you a mountain to climb because there's something specific at the top if you don't give up. I'm telling you, you're going to see at the end of my sermon, you're gonna, your eyes are going to open. You're going to mind, oh, my God, this was at the top of the mountain. That was at the top of the mountain. Oh, my God. But everybody sees the end result, but they don't see. The, the scriptures only say, and he went up the mountain. That's it. It didn't say how many days or times or sweat or cuts. It just skipped that part. But we just, as a church, we like to see the end result, but we don't like to see the journey to get there. So watch this. The first type of people now, I'm going to preach a little boldly today, and, and this is just so you, that we could identify. Um, I think one of the things that is missing in the, in the church is conviction again. Uh, we don't get convicted anymore. Just make me feel good, pastor. Talk about me getting a boat. Talk about me getting blessed. Talk about me. Don't ever talk about sin. Don't ever talk about that. I want to feel good. Well, that's not the goal of God. God's goal for you is not to feel good, it's to get you into the image of Christ. Preach, Pastor George, I'm trying to. All right, so there's three types of people. Are you ready? And, and, you, and we all could identify, and we, we may have a little bit of each, all right? The first type of person when we approach our mountain that we're supposed to climb, not speak and rebuke it. Some of you are going through problems right now, and you're trying to rebuke, and God says, no, you need to climb it. That's a word. 
That's a word. Who, notice what Psalm 24 says. It didn't say, who will speak to the mountain of the Lord? <laughs> who will ascend? Who will climb? He's looking. Who will climb? Then he goes, there you will receive blessings. Oh, come on, church. He says, there. Where's there? When you make it to the top. And don't quit. And don't give up. The first type of person is the observer. Everybody say observer. Is where we observe the mountain, but we never get involved in anything. There's a lot of observers in the church. Can I say it? Can I say that? We got a lot of observers. We got our spiritual binoculars out. We're enjoying the ride, and we hardly ever get involved to put our hands in the plow. They're, they're, observers are people that just observe the mountain. They tend to look at the mountain from a distance, but hardly contribute to put anything into the mountain that they're supposed to climb. And, they, and the observers tend to, uh, and I hope you're not one of them, but let's not be observers, right? Observers tend to complain about the size of their mountain. There's types of people in the church that when they see the mountain that they're supposed to climb, the reason why they never grow into maturity is because they are complaining instead of ascending. How many know that ascending takes effort? Your, your growth is not going to happen when you just stare at your mountain or even complain about the size of your mountain. Your growth and your spiritual muscles are going to come when you attempt to climb it because there's, listen, God says, I'm going to meet you up there. There's something I want to release to you if you endure. Come on, say amen. Or they dream about their mountain, but they never start. Here's what observers do. Observers tend to have a lot of excuses as to why they're not growing into the things of God or being higher. As soon as observers see their walk with God with some resistance, they immediately desire to go back to the worldly lifestyle. Don't be a spiritual observer of the mountain. There are some people in the body of Christ that as soon as they result, get resistance, what, the, what happens is that they, they never attempted to climb. They never attempted to get involved. They never attempted to go deeper in the things of God. And you know what happens? They desire to go back to a worldly lifestyle. And because their lack of movement and lack of growth, here's the key now. You got to hear me. Spiritual observers tend to be very critical. They tend to be critical of others that actually are climbing their own mountain. <laughs> I want to say something really deep here. Usually the people that are criticizing you the most have not walked in your shoes, watch this, or walked with you. Oh, man. Listen, listen, listen. I, I, but most people that are criticizing you, they're, they're observers. They're not walking in your shoes. You remember Rocky uh, Rocky Three? I believe? I love the old Rocky movies. I still haven't seen any of the Creed uh, movies. But I know, I know. Forgive me. I don't even know what's going on there. But I'm old school. And, and remember Rocky Three? When, when, uh, how many see, remember Rocky Three, that, that movie, years ago? All right, so I'm going to introduce some of the old school guys, right? So, so watch this. Look, look, look at this. I'm trying to say a point, all right, about the difference between observers and people that, that could actually speak to your life. Those that are criticizing you, most of the time, they're not doing what you're doing or walking in your shoes or walking with you. Not just in you, with you. Come on, you're going to do this. I'm your accountability partner. I'm going to walk with you. The observers are always criticizing, but they usually don't criticize people that are in the trenches with them. They're criticizing other people that are climbing. 
And remember that movie? There, so there, so he got beat. Uh, was Rocky got beat by Mr. T, <laughs> Clubber Lang, right? And he got for the first time he got knocked out. He got defeated. So he's reviewing his defeat in his head, and he's reviewing his failure. Listen to this. And he's training with Apollo Creed. Now Apollo Creed is with him, training, sweating with him. He's sweating with him. He's training with him. He's not on the outside. He's going through pain like Rocky is going through pain. And then Rocky is like, oh, no, I can't do it. He's like, what's wrong? He goes, no, no, I'll do it tomorrow. And Apollo goes, there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Because Rocky was making excuses for his failure. But there was somebody that was not an observer. They were in the trenches with him and said, you ain't quitting. See, don't criticize someone unless you sweated with them. Oh, come on, my. Come on. That's why he was able to say, there is no tomorrow. I can say this to you, Rocky, because I am sweating with you. You're not the only one in this thing. Do you know why true leaders like myself don't spend a lot of energy criticizing other true leaders, even though there may be disagreements? Because I know how hard the climb is. You think I just got here overnight? People look and, oh, look at Pastor George and, and he, what a beautiful church. It's taken me years to climb for God to trust me with some level of authority. And God wants us to climb because he wants to release a chapter, a chapter of authority in your life that you have not walked in. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Here's what's deep here. Spiritual observers tend to have a valley mentality. Valley mentality. That's not the slide, guys. Not yet. They tend, to high, they tend to have a valley mentality. Why? Because they never have a view from the top, so their perspective is always in the valley. So their counsel is always valley counsel. Their, 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 their talk is always from the valley. And they're talking to you that are trying to climb because they are observers. And they only observe the mountain, but they never get involved. And this is where where it's going to stay. They never get involved in anything in the work of the Lord. Now, I know there's a time because there's people that are hurting. But how long are you going to circle that hurt? How long are you going to make excuses to net God up? Listen, listen. When when the Lord told Joshua, get up, he challenged him to get up. But here's, here's a revelation. God will never force you to get up. He'll encourage you to get up, but he'll never force you. He'll never send an angel to just get you up out of your own will. He will encourage you. He, had, he told Joshua, stop crying, get up. Joshua could have said, no, I want to keep crying. I am miserable. And God would have left him alone. He got up. I'm going to ask you this morning. If you've been a spiritual observer in the church, if you've been a spiritual observer in your walk with God, it's time to shake off that complacency. Uh-oh. Now, 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 I'm going to get something there here. Now, here's where the binoculars come in. You can put that, that thing on. Watch this. This is deep. Spiritual observers have spiritual binoculars on them. Watch this. They can see the potential if they choose to ascend, but they rather watch from a distance. Whoo! Boy, that's good preaching up there. No, no, no. But, but they need children's ministry. You have a call for children. No, no, no. This is good stuff. Come on, give me that righteousness. Give me some of that mercy. Ooh, that's good, Pastor. But we need some volunteers. No, 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 no. I ain't going to volunteer. Boy, this is good down here. There's no sweat down here. 
Spiritual observers have spiritual binoculars. They only enjoy from a distance. My God. Do you remember Peter? when He, when, he was one of the top three. And Peter, when everything was good, he was close to God. But the moment things went awkward for the Lord, and the Bible says this is the hour of darkness. This is about 12 hours that God granted darkness. Do you, do you know that? Do you, that blows my mind. Jesus said it's the hour of darkness. Darkness has to achieve its will because I'm allowing it to because when it does, it's going to crush me so that it can heal you. And when Jesus was at his darkest, you know what the Bible says about Peter? And Peter followed at a distance. I'm preaching real good now. See, you could follow God and follow him at a distance, and there's no accountability in your life. And you could follow God and follow God at a distance and deceive people that you're spiritual when you're really not. And Peter followed at a distance. It's deception because you're still following God. It didn't say Peter turned around. Read it again. He said Peter followed at a distance. And yes, he denied God three times. But when, when it all turned heavy on Jesus, he still followed, read it for yourself, at a distance. Mm. Let's not be observers. Let's not be hearers only, but doers. Book of James says, don't be, you said it, don't be hearers only. Let me just interject. Don't be observers only. Don't be hearers only. Be doers of the word. You know, if you keep reading the book of James, you know what it says? That if you are a hearer and not a doer, you're deceiving yourself. <laughs> wait, wait. You, you're, you're deceiving yourself. If all you do have is spiritual binoculars on, listen, listen. You're deceiving yourself. Watch this. Zoom in. If you and I are not careful, we'll begin to vicariously live off of other people's climb. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Zoom in, zoom in now. If we're not careful, we will vicariously live off somebody else's maturity. We will live off somebody else's quest and journey. And listen to me, you are not called to live off of somebody else's maturity. I want you to have vision to put your spiritual binoculars back in your hiking bag in 223 and 2023 and not just be spiritual receivers, but have vision to give to others based on the maturity that you've developed in your life. For some of you, you need to put your spiritual binoculars in your bag because you've been watching for five years. You've been watching for two years. It's time to put it in the bag and start helping out and ascend, ascend, ascend. Listen, I want to have vision for you to start, stop thinking of yourself as, as people that will only receive all the time. There's a season, but when is it that you will give? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. He was not only talking about financially. He was talking about don't just be an observer. It's time to put that binocular and start climbing. Well, Pastor George, I'm not like you. You don't have to be behind the pulpit to climb. You don't got to be behind this. You don't got to be on stage to climb. You know what happens? You could climb if you decide to count the cost. Don't just be a hearer. Don't be an observer. Be a doer in 2023. Say amen. The second type of person that faces their mountain are the campers. Look at up there. The campers. 
I remember telling uh, Amber, now that I, it's not my message, but every time I would see her, I would encourage her prophetically, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be a leader. Start thinking yourself as a leader. Remember? I'm calling you out, but it's because you've grown. And she, at first, would not look, see it that way, but I saw it that way. Isn't it amazing that other people could see your calling better than you could see your calling? I said, you need to start thinking like you need it. You need to start thinking like you're going to give, not just receive. And she didn't really, and all of a sudden, she started growing and growing. She started ascending that mountain. If you stay in the bottom, you never grow. Get yourself, watch this, this is a word for you. Get yourself in a position that requires faith, because without faith, nothing, it's impossible to please him. So if something is hard, good. That means you have to start using, God forbid, your faith. God forbid you will start using your faith. Well, everything has to be perfect. I can't have any troubles. I can't take a leap in anything that I do. It always has to be clear in front of me. That will never happen. Stop. You will never get to a point where everything, the birds are chirping perfectly. The air is crisp. You have no sickness. You, I mean, you're going to have problems in your life. What are campers? There's a second level people. Campers are people that actually start the trek upwards. But because of pain. Because of exhaustion, because of burnout, they actually start climbing. They camp out, and they set up tent, and they become spiritual campers. They actually ascend three-quarters three of the way or halfway, and you know what starts happening? They get discouraged because they failed. Please listen to me. Failure will cause you to have a quitting mentality. You know what campers are? There's some campers in the church. Some campers, what they do is they will start to trek. And somewhere around the road, somewhere along the hike, something has happened, and they begin to camp out. They take it easy. They're on autopilot. Watch this. Watch this. Listen. listen. Because you fought so hard to get something, and now that you got it, you stop pursuing it. People work so hard to win over their spouse, and once they have them, they stop pursuing them. They work so hard. They work so hard. <laughs> I see spouses going. It's hard to preach with a straight face when all you, when all you guys are looking at me like that. They're like, it's about time. You get comfortable. You get comfortable, and you camp out in your success. You actually made the climb, but you saw it was kind of hard, so you camp out in your success, and you park, and that stifles your growth. And you work so hard to get a promotion. Once you get your promotion, you stop working hard. You, get so, you work so hard to try to get a, a position, and now watch this. Watch this. You're coasting in complacency. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you are a worship leader or you're a singer, watch this. This, this, is, what, this is what parking does. Do you stop worshiping on your private? If I would see some of your playlists, do you actually listen to, to worship? Just because you got a position doesn't mean that you're listening to worship all the time. Just because you could preach doesn't mean you're studying the Bible all the time. You may just be studying when you're scheduled to preach. If you, if you, you that means you've grown complacent. It, listen, I'm challenging you. If you're a teacher of the word and you only crack open that word and dig real deep when you're scheduled to teach, when you're scheduled to preach, you have become complacent in your climb. 
If you're called to sing and if you're called to be a worship leader, I love you. But if you're not, if you are not spending time listening to worship and and worshiping God in music, and you're listening more to worldly songs than you are, that's that's not God. You're climbing. That's parking. Don't let success park you. Why why do I say this, guys? It's okay if you get convicted. That's the Lord. I ask God to bring conviction today. Because the journey is hard. Listen, please zoom in on me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop this bubble. Jesus said, "Your journey is gonna be hard." Actually, you know what he says in Matthew seven. We're gonna read it two t- two ways in the New King James and the NLT. You know what he says in the in the new t- in the New King James? He goes. He actually says verbatim, "The road to life is difficult." If you don't know that, you're gonna be offended about every difficult thing. And you will quit your ascent because you got comfortable. Wives, keep pursuing your husband. Husbands, keep pursuing your wives. If you're in ministry and you're a leader, don't just prepare when don't just prepare for that day. Prepare every day. Do you have a prayer life? Do you have a worship life? This is all over me. You know, you know why? Because many of us start the trek up and then we camp out. Campers. See, see their floors as a permanent address instead of a temporary one. We're supposed to camp out and then pick up the tent and keep on climbing. We're not supposed to stay in the tent forever. Good preaching, Pastor George. I'm trying. Matthew 7, verse 13. Look at what it says, New King James. Here it goes. We're going to read it in the New King James, and then we're going to read it in the NLT. If you're with me, say amen. Come on, no distractions. Let's read it together. Enter in by the, I want you to say this with me, the narrow gate. Oh, I love this. Watch this. And broad is the way, for broad, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, watch this, that leads to destruction. And there are many who go into the easy, broad way. Watch this. Because narrow is the gate. I want you to see, this is not PG saying it. And difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now look at that same scripture in the NLT. Look at this. Look at this. This is beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. Trust me. You can enter God's kingdom, watch this, only through the narrow gate. Everybody say narrow gate. How many want to enter into the kingdom? Oh, okay. Okay. How many want to enter into the kingdom? Okay. You, you have to go through the narrow gate. Watch this. I want us to read this together. God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell. (laughs) Preach. I didn't say that. Thank God it's in the Bible. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for many to choose that way, the easy way. Don't want to climb. Just want to speak to that mountain. Don't want to climb. Watch this. But the gateway to life is very narrow. Say this with me. And the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. Because it's difficult, many Christians terminate their ascent up the mountain because it's difficult. But Jesus said, in this life is difficult. He said, he's going to, if we get comfortable with our jobs, we get comfortable in our marriages, and we become, we become comfortable campers or complacent campers. Everybody say complacent. Campers, 
I want to say this because this is a, a quote that my friend said. And I want to, he, he's here. My friend said this. He said, lies from the enemy often come gift wrapped in comfort. Lies from the enemy often come gift wrapped in comfort. The enemy will lie to you and say, no, just you have to be comfortable in order to be successful. Let me just say this. There are two times when we are likely to quit. Number one, after a personal failure. We get discouraged and we will never want to do it again. Listen to me, please. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is important. Or number two, after a great success. Quitting could become a habit just like winning becomes a habit. And, and we need to train our children, people that have children, to not let our kids quit every time they fail at something. We have taught a generation that if they fail at something and they don't want to do it anymore, okay, baby, don't worry. No, teach them. You're going to try again, but I don't want to. No, teach your children that if they fail, that that's not the end of the road. The bend in the road is not the end of the road. It's just a bend. And I'm going to challenge you today, RCC, keep climbing. Pick up your binoculars, pick up your tent, and keep ascending. Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? The one who has pure hearts, who doesn't lie, integrity. The one who has pure motives and does not worship idols. There, they will receive the blessing. You're not a failure if, you're, you're not, you're, you're not a failure if you fail. You're done when you give up. Put that, put that, put that. We're not finished when we are defeated or experience failure. We are finished when we decide to quit. Do you know that sometimes people quit after a great success? And I read a quote one time, and it says, success has made failures of many great people. Because once you are successful, we have a temptation to not keep climbing. We coast, and then our heart becomes dull. Our passion becomes dull. Our vision becomes dull. You have no vision. I can tell someone that has no vision just by talking to them. By talking to them. Well, I don't know. I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. The Lord's going to do it. We'll, we'll wait and see. Articulate something about yourself. Articulate your vision. Well, what do you mean? I don't know. God's just going to do it. I, I don't know how. I mean. Okay, you may not know exactly how, but you should know where. You should know what. Listen, listen. It's, uh, it's everybody say up. I press towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's an upward call. Our call is an upward call. We got to keep climbing. Come on, say amen. I'm afraid that in the generation we're living in, if we don't watch it, a quitting mentality can grab the church. And you'll quit your marriage as soon as things get tough. And you'll quit your position in the church as, things, as, as soon as things get challenging. We have developed a quitting mentality in the church. It's too hard. I'm going to park my tent. I'm going to bring back my monoculars. Peter did the same thing. When Jesus was crucified, what did he do? He went back to fishing. He, that's what he did. He goes, you know what? I'm going to do what feels comfortable to me, and I'm just going to make my calling this way. I'm going to make my money this way. God says, Peter, I want, you to, I want you to come. Do you love me? Watch this. Yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Three times he said, do you love me? He says, don't just observe. Do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Watch this slide up. I'm going to go to the next one. Watch this. When we do just enough to survive, some of you are in here. You do just enough to survive and begin to coast and be satisfied in your walk with God, we become complacent campers. Now, I want to say something about complacency. Now, the Hebrew word of complacent, those of you who like word stuff, now watch this. I'm going to give you the Hebrew word for complacent. I'm going to give you the definition in Webster Dictionary. And then, in my studies, because I look at different versions, I'm going to give you a scripture that has complacency. Do you know that complacency, according to scripture, will destroy you? No, no, no. I'm not, not, not just, not, I'm just saying that to be spiritual. It actually says the word destroy. Complacency will destroy your walk with God. I'm going to prove it to you. Now, here's the definition of complacency. Ready? In other words, here, remember, campers actually make the ascent. They reach a certain goal. They reach a certain weight. They reach a certain status. They reach a certain thing. And they camp out. And they coast. And they're on autopilot. My friends, that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be, to be very comfortable. Because then you're not growing. Watch this. Complacency in the Hebrew is the word salva. Everybody say salva. S-A-L-V-A. It's pronounced shalva. It means, I'm, I'm getting a direct quote from the Hebrew uh, lexicon of the word complacent. It means to take it easy. Watch this. Say to take it easy. To cease to be proactive due to a sense of careless security. A sense of careless security. Everything's going to be, I don't need that. That's okay. I'm good now. I'm good. I have a position. I'm good. I got this. Now, I, now I'm going to manage it. Right? Watch this. Webster's Dictionary on complacency. Now, this, this is even more gangster than the, than the Hebrew one. Webster's Dictionary of complacency says, quote, a state of self-satisfaction that is unaware of actual dangers or deficiencies in one's life. <laughs> we'll read that again because that slapped me in the head. Webster's Dictionary of Complacent. Ca campers, that's what we're talking about, campers. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Don't be a camper. Be a climber, which I revealed just the third one. Don't be a camper. Everybody say, don't be a camper. Keep climbing. The Webster Dictionary, a state of complacency, a state of self-satisfaction that is unaware of actual dangers or deficiencies in a person's life. Look at me. Complacency means that you're not aware of the actual threats that are happening all around you in your state of careless comfortability and security. And you almost, we, be, we get a little, um, what's that word, a stupor. We get a spiritual stupor. We have no passion for the Lord, yet we love the Lord and we know it's the right thing to do. I want to challenge you that this is not a phase in your life. This is not a, something that you're just kind of enduring until you get 50 years old and stuff, and then you can do something else. Your relationship with God is forever. You have, to, you have to know that. And it should be first all the time. Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? One who has no idols. What does idols mean? Anything that attempts to replace God from being number one in your life. So if it's ministry, if it's TV, if it's working out, if it's your position at job, if it's money, whatever is taking the place of God being number one in your life, 
That's an idol. That is going to stop your ascent. Oh, here's another one I hear from the Lord right now. Some of you is your relationships. Boy, you love your relationships so much, and that is great. I love that you love your spouse, and you love your relationships, and you love your friends. But some of you love your spouse more than you love God. Some of you love, some of you love your friends more than you love God. Now watch what the Bible says about complacency. This blew me away. Proverbs chapter 1. Are you getting anything this morning? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32 in the NLT. Let's all read it together. We'll all read it together. Proverbs 1, all right, verse 32. Watch what it says. 1, 2, 3. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Read this together. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. I didn't say that. Proverbs says that. Fools are destroyed by not someone else's complacency, their own complacency. Don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you, but have you grown complacent in your walk with God? Don't raise your hand. Be honest with yourself. Don't be all spiritual. The church is the best place to be all spiritual. Have you grown complacent in your walk with God? I want to challenge you in 2023 to say no to the plateau. Come on. And put your tent back up and keep ascending the hill that God has given you because something is about to be rewarded to you if you make that climb. Now watch this. Once you make that climb and you get it to the top, God will reward you. And then he'll say, here's another mountain that I want you to climb. Why? Because we go from glory to glory, glory to glory to glory to Spirit of Fred Hammond is coming on me, right? Some of you don't know Fred Hammond, but woo, Fred Hammond. We go from glory to glory. The goal of the mountain is to mature you. That was a good place to say amen. The purpose of the mountain you're climbing is for two things. To bring maturity in you, watch this, and, and so that you can meet God in a greater intensity at the top. Watch this. I'm going to show you. The third type of person, then we're going to get real deep and then we're going to pray, are the climbers. I've been the first one is the observers. They have the binoculars on. And, and please listen to me. Observers in all the church, local church, they just receive, okay, bless their heart, and I, and I, and I love that, but observers may never, ever uh, get their hands dirty in the plow to, to, to have their gift operated. They just watch. Don't be watchers. Climb. The second pe pe people are the, uh, uh, are the um, campers where they just go up, they get difficult, and they stop pursuing, and they camp out. And they become complacent, but yet they show up to church. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, spanking you. I'm challenging you that that is not okay to walk with God at a distance. Because you can get away with walking God at a distance. You just will not receive the fullness that God has. And you'll always seek for breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough because you're not walking close enough to get it. The climbers are the ones who pursue their, past their pain. Come on, any climbers in RCC? Come on, that they keep walking despite their pain, right? You're climbing despite the nerve pain. You're climbing despite the financial pain. You're climbing despite your stress that you're living in. You're climbing despite the horrible things that are happening in your family, and you're climbing. Those are the climbers. They keep climbing, and they intentionally want to progress and grow. Climbers see obstacles, as opportunities. Now watch this. I want, I want to say a statement. Climbers, I, I can say this in my own life, are not driven by purpose. Sorry. 
Climbers are driven by purpose, not by circumstance. That's a good word. Listen, take a picture of that. Climbers are driven by purpose, not by circumstance. If you base your walk with God on circumstance, you will never keep ascending. You will never keep growing. And the Bible is saying there's something up the mountain, your, your mountain. There's a reason why I want you to climb because I'm trying to build spiritual muscles in you. I'm trying to build some trust and responsibility in you because I'm about to give you some responsibility and I got to know that I could trust someone that could make it to the top. My friend just came on me when I looked at you. He was serving for years, my friend Pastor Derek. He's being used in a great way right now in this season, even in this church. I haven't told you half of it, how God has used you. But for years, he was just sitting and not being utilized. And I'm not saying this in a bad way, but you confided to me. But watch this. He kept climbing. He kept climbing. He could have just quit the towel. And I remember even a conversation you had one time. You said, Orlando is a preacher's graveyard. But no, it's not. Because God is raising you up and other people up. You know why? You know why? But you know why? I'm just being transparent. It's because sometimes on the road we get hurt and we get discouraged and we say, I'm just going to park here. But he kept climbing. And you know what? Now he's in a position where he's helping the prophecy teams. He's helping the, 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 the prayer altar. He's, he preached in the Bible studies. How many enjoyed Pastor Derek? Holy Spirit started flowing in the Bible studies. Why? Because if you keep climbing, there is a reward of trust and authority that God is going to give you. God wants to give you authority at the top of the mountain. And he rewards the faithful trekkers. <laughs> Paul the Apostle describes spiritual climbers best in Philippians 3, chapter 13. Look at this. This is a, this is a secret sauce. How many, how many um, know how to cook? How many know how to cook? She doesn't want to raise your hand for anything. Okay, that's fine. How many know how to cook? Okay. All right. Watch this. Watch this. Sometimes when somebody eats your food, you're like, man, that is good stuff, right? What's in there? Right? Well, a little flour, you know, a little, little sugar, and then there's a little, little secret sauce. But what is it? No, 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 no. That's a family tradition. I can't, you know, that's, uh, that's like sazon and some other stuff, right? Paul the Apostle gives us a secret sauce, but he reveals it on how to make the climb up. Are you ready? He describes spiritual climbers, in my opinion, to the T. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Look at this. Watch this. Read it carefully. I know you've read it a lot. Read it carefully. Are you getting encouraged this morning? My, I, my stomach is fire. I feel fire of God right now. <laughs> Brethren, I did not count myself to have apprehended. Please listen to this. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Everybody say reaching forward. That's the climb. To the things which are ahead. Now watch this. You're going to shout. I press toward the goal for the prize. Upward. Not downward. Not sideways. Not easy. Up. It's going to be difficult. But there's something up there. I press. Why would you press if you're coasting? If I'm in a lazy river, I'm not going to press that thing. I'm just going to lay there, and the lazy river is going to take it. Paul said, I press upward. Why? Because I see if I, if I make it up and I don't give up, God's going to trust me with something. He's going to answer me. Ooh, glory to God. In order to finish the upward ascent of our mountain, we must let go of our past. That's the secret sauce. That's the secret sauce. Are you ready? Are you ready? Put that, script, put that point up there. 
the secret sauce of making it to the top is stop looking behind you while you're climbing. Oh, this is good time to give God a give a praise because there's people in here that you're just about there, but you keep looking back and there's a past that you that is haunting you. So you park and you get discouraged and you say, I'm never gonna make it because your past is haunting you. The secret sauce to climbing upward is we must let go of our past. Lot's wife was running, running with Lot and everybody, and fire and brimstone was destroying the city, and she decided to look back, and she turned into a pillar of salt. The secret sauce for you to endure the climb is let go of your past today. Let go of your deficiencies. Let go of what people said about you. Let go of your failures. Let go of the things that you said, well, that has labeled you. And say, I'm going to start afresh. For I, Listen, he said, I haven't apprehended. Paul was pretty much saying, look, I'm not the smartest cookie here in the jar. I haven't made it to the top. But one thing I do is I forget my murderous past because he was a murderer. And I have now a clear conscience, even though I killed some of your spouses. That's pretty much what he's saying. I'm talking to you, and some of you are spouses because I killed them before I got really saved. And I was zealous for the law. But because God has washed me clean, I press upward, and I forget. Come on, I forget. In 2023, if you're going to go higher, drop your past. Drop it like it's hot. Dro drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Pass. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. When the devil tries to get it, you drop it like it's hot. All right, no, that's not spiritual. That was not in my notes. I don't know where that was. So what happened? Say my past needs to be dropped in order to climb higher. Now zoom in at me. I'm going to close here in, in about 10 minutes. I'm going to say five minutes because that's, that's not enough. Does anybody know anything about mountain climbing? Does anybody? Does anybody? Okay. What happens when you get closer to the top? What, what, what needs to happen? You need to drop some weight off. Need to let go of some stuff. Oh my God. I'm gonna give Joanne a high five. Somebody give me a high five. Somebody. <laughs> you gotta, you, you have they train you when you're almost at the top. It's time to let go of all the unnecessary things and only the vital things to survive so that you won't have all this weight and burdens on you. You have to let go of some stuff. You have to let go of some attitudes. <laughs> yep. You have to let go the way you think about people that is not true, that's consuming you. You got to let go. You got to get let go of your complacency. You got to let go of that lust. You got to let go of that anger. Because if you keep holding on to it, yeah, you'll be a good Christian, but you'll always be a good Christian that never makes it to the top. Because you're still holding on to, on to things that is stopping you from getting the blessing of the Lord on the top of the mountain. So with that said, I'm almost done. What are some of the realities? Now, I said all this. Observers, campers, climbers. What happens in the Bible when people actually made it to the top? Are you ready? Now, this, now this, this is gold right here. When people trekked, made the trek, and made it to the top, there was a reward. The first type of reality that we see on a mountain, a real, real mountain, is Moses with the Ten Commandments. Moses 
did not receive the commandments anywhere. He had to trek upward. And here's the, rev- here, here's the, no, the v- first point. Some people, when you make it on the top, here's what you receive. Revelation and instruction. You need to put that up there, guys. Come on. Watch this. Everybody say revelation and instruction. How many are waiting on God for some sort of instruction? Oh, come on. Or some sort of revelation. The revelation and instruction did not come because God had to wait till Moses got up the mountain. Because he wanted to see if he was, he had the endurance to get, to take what he was about to give him. Watch this. I'll prove it to you. Exodus chapter 24. This is good preaching. Verse 12 through 13 in the NLT. Watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, everybody say this with me. Come up, up to me on this mountain. This, wait, this is Moses. He could have just said, you know, you're Moses. He says, no, you come up higher. You keep, you, up, you Moses, I need you to climb up. Watch this. Stay there and I will give you the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, on which I have inscribed the instructions. Hello? I have inscribed the instructions and commandments so you could teach the people. Watch this. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out. Read this with me. And Moses climbed up the mountain. Some of you are about to give up that quest. Let me tell you, once you keep enduring and you keep waiting, God is about to answer you with instruction. I feel that in my spirit. He's going to give you instruction for this season and the next season that you're about to enter. Did you hear what I just said? If you keep climbing, he'll give you, he'll give you clarity. God gave Moses instructions when he went to the top of the mountain. He had, to wait, he had to wait for Moses to get up there to him. Now, I don't know how long that trek was. It didn't say. He just said Moses climbed the mountain. Some of you, are, you're, in a, you're in a mountain climb right now. But God is about to speak to you. Come on. I feel this from the Lord. He, he's going to give you instruction and clarity, but you have to keep climbing. And by the way, this is for free. This is not in my notes. One of the things that helps you climb is to hang out with other climbers. Don't hang out with just observers all the time. You minister to observers, but hang out, hang out with climbers. Because if all you do if, as a climber, if you hang out with observers, you're going to have an observer mentality. Hang out with other climbers that are climbing and say, oh, you go, oh, that's right, okay, we're going to get hard. We're, hey, let's fast together. You do that to an observer. No way, I want to eat. But you do that to a climber, when you're down, they say, come on, get back up. Let's keep going. Come on, you could do, no, you're not going to quit. What's wrong with you? Let's talk this out. I've had to do that to a couple of my, my friends and leaders going through a difficult time. Let's talk. I don't want to let them just, see, if you're a climber like me, I recognize the fight. It's, it's hard. It's hard. So I'm not going to allow my leaders or my friends or my brothers to just suffer in silence. The church is suffering in silence. But I said, hey, let's talk. I'll, I'll block my whole schedule out. Let's work this out. Let's climb together. Don't give up. Don't give up. God is about to give you clarity on things that you've been praying about. Well, you need to write that. That was prophetic for you. I wrote that down. Lord told me, tell them. God is about to give some of you clarity what you've been praying about. Just keep on climbing. Keep on climbing. You know, similarly and historically, Jesus always saved the best at the top of the mountain. Do you know that Jesus himself 
got instructions from the Father at the top of the mountain. And he's Jesus, and he's a word, yet he got instructions. You don't believe me? Let's turn real quick to Luke 6. I know, I know you're loving this. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Look at what it says. Luke 6 is up there, verse 12 and 13 in the NLT. One day afterward, Jesus, everybody say this with me, went up on a mountain. Again, it was a hard climb. He went up. It wasn't a little molehill. He went up. But we, we, we dismissed that part. He went, everybody say he went up. Even Jesus had to go up. Watch this. And, he, and there he prayed. Why? Because there was no distraction in the top of the mountain. And he prayed to God. Watch this revelation. All night at the top of the mountain. At daybreak, the next day, he called together all of his disciples, watch this, and chose the 12 of them to be apostles. And then he named them by name. Do you know what was happening while he was praying? It doesn't say it, but you, you, could, you could connect the dots. God was giving him instruction. This one is going to be your disciple. There was a lot of disciples. The Bible says there was a lot of followers. But he says, when you get up to the mountain, I'm going to give you instructions. You're going to choose this one. You're going to choose that one. This is how they're going to look. And this one has a rough beard. He's rough around the edges, but I'm going to use him. Um, and you're going to call this guy. His name is Andrew and Bartholomew. When he came down, he received the instruction of the Lord, and he goes, you, you, you. When you keep your quest in maturing to the things of God, God will give you clarity. But if you cut short because someone offended you or someone said something that you don't like, or you didn't want to submit to something that a leader or a boss or somebody told you, you're going to get offended and you're going to miss the blessing. It got quiet up in this church. Hmm. Here's the second thing that happens at the top of the mountain. I'm going I'm to call the worship team in a second. The second thing that happens in the top of the mountain is this. The top of the mountain, put it up there, is prophetic for the place of encounter and communion with God. If you endure this season that you're going through, Here's what's going to happen. I believe God is going to meet you in a greater depth in your secret place, in your alone time. At the top of the mountain, look what happened in this case. And this, when I read this, I honestly wept because I'm like, this is so simple. Jesus just wants to sit and commune with us. And he chose, he could have chose any place. He chose on the top of the mountain. Why? Because he wants to see if they want him Long, more, more than the pain to get up there. And secondly, on the top of the mountain, there's no distractions, very minimal. Look at, look at John chapter 6, verse 3. Are you getting something? I'm almost done, but I'm going to break this down over the top of the mountain. Jesus went up on the mountain. Do you see this? Now, this, look, look at this. This, is, this, this. this got me. And there he sat with his disciples. There was no show. There was no preaching. There was no hype. It's just sitting down. You're finally here. Let's talk. Let's commune. Let's fellowship. He could have, guys, he could have done that anywhere. He chose the top of the mountain to meet with them. There's going to be a greater level of intimacy in this next season if you keep climbing. Some of you, God has allowed difficulty to get you close to God. Sometimes without a mountain, there can be no intimacy. There has to be a purposeful pursuit 
and realize that you're not called to rebuke the mountain all the time. You're called to climb it. And the Bible says in Mark chapter uh, 2, sorry, chapter 9, real quick in the Amplified Version. This is going to be on the screen. Look at another example of meeting and encountering. Watch this. I'm almost done. Six days after, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them, where? Up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured. Where was he transfigured? Where? And who did he take with him? Peter, James, and John. And he could have, dis- he's, he could have done the glory of God somewhere else. He did it on the top of the mountain. The Bible, watch this. He was transfigured and became resplendent with divine brightness. And the garments became glistening, intensely white, and as no cloth dresser or launderer on earth could be able to bleach them. What happens at the top of the mountain? Communion and encounter. A greater depth if you keep climbing and don't stop short. If you put your binoculars in the, in the bag and decide to pursue God in a fresh way, these are the rewards for getting to the top of the mountain. Come on, say amen. I want to uh, have the worship team start coming up here. The third one that you're going to receive is peace and rest at the top of the mountain. Wait a minute. Did you hear what I said? Peace and rest. Now, I'm going to show you something that blew my mind. I, I, I didn't even know. I was just studying. The Lord wanted me to study mountains. I don't know why. Just He just drew me. Now I know why. But as I was studying different places of mountains in the Bible, something always happened at the top. Now, look at what look at this. everybody say peace and rest. How many are in some need of peace in your life? Truly, how many are need some true rest? You're going to get it if you don't give up. You're going to you're gonna get it if you, if you persevere. You're going to have peace of mind as a reward. Watch this. Psalm 72. This freaked me out. Psalm 72, look at this. Verse 2 and 3. He will judge people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Watch this. Watch this. The mountains will bring peace. To the people. What? What? That's scriptural? Somebody say that. The mountains will bring peace to the people, and the little hills are righteousness. What he's saying in other translations is his righteousness will be speaking to the hills, and his peace will be speaking to the mountains. Do you know what happens when you don't give up the climb because of hurt, because of failure? You're going to experience a level of rest and peace. Not for you to park there, for you to have renewed strength. Listen to me, listen to me, this is really good. True godly peace will refresh your soul. Yes. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule your heart. That means, it's, that word rule means Lord. Peace actually wants to be Lord. Because we're all like this in our minds and in our hearts. And God is shouting at you saying, peace, be still. Listen, he, I was driving the other day and I was worshiping God and I heard the statement, I don't have peace, I'm the prince of peace. Just like that. And I was worshiping God and I was thinking about some things. He goes, I don't have peace, I'm the prince of peace. Peace is powerful. Peace is a force. The Bible says, you, the Lord will soon crush Satan. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet very shortly. Come on, church. 
Some of you need peace of mind right now. Ooh, I feel that. Some of you need peace in your emotions. Yes. Some of you need peace, but it's not going to happen. Here's the thing. The false sense of peace, I'm closing, I promise. The false sense of peace comes when you say it's too hard. This thing is too hard. This thing is too hard. No. If you've failed, get back up and keep climbing. A righteous man may fall seven times. Seven times he gets up. Don't quit on that thing. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. Don't quit on that job. Don't quit on that calling. I remember about three years ago, probably two years ago, my affliction was so bad. It's a little better now, but I still carry it. But it was so bad that I felt like um, I was in an oven and I was being cooked alive. That's how it felt. Seriously. I got so discouraged. And I some people know my story. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.